Welcome to the Performance Level Podcast, where we aim to empower individuals to unlock their full potential through conversations with experts in all fields of performance. Join us as we delve into the tools, techniques, and strategies needed to ignite personal growth, overcome challenges, and guide leaders towards impactful and fulfilling lives. Together, let's unleash potential and ignite performance. Welcome back to the PLA podcast, guys. My name's Eric Claremont. Today, we've got Scott McKenzie. This is the second time Scott's been on the podcast. Welcome, Scott. Hey, how are you doing? Great, mate. Great. Um, Scott is the current Chattanooga Red Wolves head coach in USL League One. Um, a coach that I met on my US soccer A license, a youth license back in pre-COVID, right? 2019. Um, yeah, someone who I've kept in touch, kept in touch. A lot's happened since then, uh, you know, to, in both of our careers. But, you know, Scott, someone from, you know, an, a professional standpoint, but also not a personal standpoint, I think um, a lot of people will relate to. Um, and somebody that I think a lot of people will learn from. I think, um, you know, he would never say it himself, but, um, you know, definitely his his journey and his pathway, um, you know, is is an example to all just with regards to the work ethic, but also the intention that it takes to kind of um, to, to make the strides that you want to make. So uh, thanks so much for taking the time out of this busy, busy schedule that you have now, uh, Scott, to come back on the podcast. Yeah, no, happy to be here and good to catch up with you always and looking forward to a good chat. Wicked, wicked. So let's get started, Scott, because obviously, um, you know, I'll link in our podcast the first episode that we had with you, um, you know, back in season one, just so that people can get the background of, you know, how you came over, um, your your pathway, your journey to becoming a USL League Two coach. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, obviously, USL League Two is a summer league for collegiate athletes mainly, um, as well as academy players um, as almost a pathway within the USL professional structure. But it's not a professional pathway uh, since then, or it's not a professional league, rather. Um, since then, Scott has obviously propelled himself um, to the USL League One, which is the um third tier of professional soccer within the country. That's correct, Scott? Yep. Fantastic. And, you know, so I just wanted to start things off, Scott, with just um, just biographically kind of um, how that came about and how you um, moved really from um, that USL League 2 coach um, into the League 1 position. Okay. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, and that's relatively new. Essentially, as you mentioned, I was the, the League Two coach for the organisation. The Red Wolves organisation is a little bit different in that it's got um, assets, if you will, or parts of the club in different parts of the country. So first teams here in Chattanooga, we have a youth club here in Chattanooga. Um, just down the road, we have a League Two franchise in Dalton, which is about 40 minutes outside Chattanooga in Georgia. And, um, and then in Utah, we have a... A league two, a league two program, and uh, another youth academy. Um, and I oversaw for the past three years. I oversaw the Utah side of the club. 
Um, and then, um, what, seven, eight weeks ago now, unfortunately, um, Jimmy, who's the, the head coach, had a, a health issue um, and could no longer, like, he had to take care of his health issue. That created an opening. I got a call on a Sunday that we need you in for by Wednesday to take over and look after the club or look after the first team. I think I flew out Wednesday, had a game in a flight to Chattanooga Wednesday, went to Fresno, California, uh, Friday, played Saturday, went back to Utah on the Sunday, back to Chattanooga, and then we went to Madison, Wisconsin. It was kind of a wild, wild um, two or three weeks where I literally, in a week, spent time in every time zone in, in the United States of America. So um, it was just a case of awful circumstances, obviously, but opportunity is opportunity, and when it, when it comes, you've just got to go ahead and take it. So just... You know, taking that into consideration, right? Um, from a headspace standpoint, obviously, look, we we talk about preparing ourselves for opportunities every day, right? Um, but you know, receiving that call, kind of what goes through your head, obviously, your family's based obviously in Utah. Um, and you know, I, I don't know, have you are you basically living between between both places now when you can obviously get back to see the fam? Um, I mean, I'm right, I can't. In the middle of a season, I can't be anywhere else other than here. Um, my wife and kids did come out for a three week period, and then they're gonna they're back in Utah now. Um, at the end of the season, I'll head back there, and and we'll figure that out. That is a big a big part of it, um, in figuring out what it looks like for family, um, you know. And then when the call came in, the first thing I uh, obviously was concerned for for Jimmy, um. And hoping that everything's okay there. Um, but I think the other thing that I actually said to the, when I got the call was, yeah, I'm not, I'm not phased by the art. Like, great, I'm not phased. I can step in and I can do this. I'm fully confident that this is something that I'm ready for and can do a good job. Um, totally. So. Again, so there, you've spoken obviously about the probably, you know, very quick turnaround with regards to you know i guess you know with the with the way that you described it is obviously not a decision to make because obviously this is a great opportunity and i know you're obviously you know forward thinking but i'm sure you know the family comes into it and you need to make those decisions right um and make the right decision for the family you come up with that decision now you know talking about look i'm ready and i'm you know i'm prepared i have the skills to be able to uh, perform this task that you're that you're you know um that that has been asked of me you know talk a little bit about you know that long-term approach right so how have you or how did you prepare yourself you know for you know with the skills that you need to be able to you know coach at this level to to compete at this level um you know what were the things that you were doing prior to this um appointment so when I when I got the opportunity for the Red Wolves, I was um, I was a director at a larger club in Utah, one of the ECNL clubs, um, running their boys program for them. And um, the moment I got the opportunity to to jump into League Two, I kind of flipped my mindset and said, "Oh, because I always wanted to be in the program. I've always wanted to be in the program." The but the reality is the opportunities are it's it's a competitive job market. 
the moment I got the League Two opportunity, I said, I flipped, flipped my mindset. I actually have a whiteboard in my house back in Utah and it says head coach, pro head coach 2025. Um, it says three other things on it, but that's the relevant one, head coach 2025. Um, and everything I did around the League Two stuff was geared up to make sure I was prepared to to jump in as a as a pro coach one day. So everything from having an idea or a plan, um, having a having a big picture and a plan of how we go about player recruitment, um, how we manage, um, having a clear identity in how you play, how you break that down into principles in that possession, how you break that down into a methodology of how you get that over the line every day in training. And then obviously tying that into the type of players that you look to bring in. Um, I, everything I was doing, I was doing it because I wanted it to the chance at the next level. And League Two was a was a proving ground to that. And we got lots of stuff right, lots of stuff wrong, as we do every day. But I, I just had that mindset that I'm doing this. And if I can win at this level, or me, we, the collective team and staff can win at that level then uh then players and myself will get opportunities at the next level um and that's that was the approach every day and building building a foundation and knowledge that would allow us to, to take the next step um a lot of the reading a lot of the the podcast listening a lot of the stuff that I did was around around managers as well um, some great resources out there and just trying but having that clear goal I knew what I wanted I wrote it on a whiteboard and I've been fortunate enough to get it a little bit earlier but as soon as I got that opportunity to get a little taste of it in the pre-professional game I was like okay I'm going to get to the professional game that's fantastic insight Scott um, you know and I preach a lot on the podcast and off the podcast, you know, um, with with this new performance coaching that I'm doing on an individual basis, but also in groups of, you know, um, big goal, small steps, right? So we need to have an idea of the the end goal, what the end goal is, and then on the same on the same scale, or what are those, what, you know, what needs to be true in order for me to reach this end goal? As you said, you know, lofty goal, really easy to write down and you know, not really take action with regards to your your daily your daily actions and your daily habits. Um, talk to us a little bit about what needed to be true. And let's say at that moment, when did you write that, would you say, roughly? Uh, I think I wrote that in 2019, just, yeah, like winter of 2019. Great. So 2019, Scott McKenzie to like... Scott McKenzie today, you writing that down. What was your intention with regards to the skills that you needed to enhance, improve? You kind of spoke a little bit about the process with which you looked at it, but what were the key areas of development that you felt you needed to really enhance to become a professional manager? Yeah, so I mean, everything for me then starts big picture vision. Where do you want to be? All right. And then as you as you rightly said, then you've got to start going, okay, what are the steps? Then what's the process look like? Um, your day-to-day actions will be guided by the values, the 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 things that you hold most important to you. So I have four of them I talk about a lot. Um they're they're pretty mundane and and simple, but I talk about work more. 
um, obviously your work ethic, but being purposeful and direct with your work ethic. A lot of people work very hard, but don't get a lot done. I want to work extremely hard, but be efficient with the uh, the time that I put in. Um, commit more. Absolutely commit to, to what you're doing um, and being the best at what you do. Uh, enjoy more. Again, like we coach, we coach football, soccer. It's an unbelievable way to make a living. Um, and if you can't turn up with a smile on your face and some of the lads that we coach now, they, they get to kick a ball around and get, get a paycheck at the end of the week. You know, that is, that is unbelievably good. Um, so if you can't enjoy it, there's, there's a problem there. And I want to, I'm a positive person. I like being around people who, who see the bright side of stuff. So enjoy more is the third one. And I've always kind of said, if you can, if you can work more, if you can commit more, if you can come in and enjoy what you do, you'll give yourself the chance to develop more. And so that um, that process of always saying, okay, I'm good, but I can be better, or I wasn't good enough, but that's okay, as long as I admit that, or as long as I work and commit to be better, um, to develop. So there's a four, work more, commit more, enjoy more, develop more, um, would be the values that guide us day to day. And if we're going to say, All right, we had a great day, or I had a great day, or I had a great week, and you're reflecting on it, it's start on that. Were you true to those things that you hold important? And then obviously, then it's about detail, understanding detail in terms of what, what it takes to be, to work with the highest level players, right? I'm, in, I'm ambitious. I want to work with the best players that, that whatever my ceiling is allows. Um, and the job, the job is to help them perform the job's also to help him get better. So you're going to have to really understand the game um, at a high level, whether that's from a whether that's from a collective side, obviously um, tactics and strategies, or um, from an individual details point of view. If the job is to make players better or make them believe that you can make them better, and that's why they will ultimately want to play for you, you have to have knowledge that adds value. So I spent time working on my understanding of the game in those two um, in those two areas. So the individual stuff talking about like real detail in terms of in terms of like, for example, receiving skills, areas, when, why, and why, how, etc. Um, collectively, I always felt like an area of weakness for me potentially was tactically. In terms of like just being enamored with that side of the game, which some people just naturally clamor towards it and can sit and talk about the merits of 442 versus 352 for hours. That's not naturally something that's ever really given me a great deal of joy doing. Um, but obviously is an important, important aspect of your game planning to be a be another team strategy, being able to exploit other strategies important. So I mean, that was a long answer, but the values underpin what you do. They're your actions or the way you approach the the topic in terms of the biggest areas of learning. It was going, well, I'm not working with kids. I'm, I want to work with pros. I want to work with the highest level pros I can. And they need to see that I can help them do two things. One, get better and one to win. And if that's the case, I have to upskill my my knowledge in those those two areas collectively and individually.
It's fantastic insight there, Scott. Um, and what I hear there is obviously you mentioned the day-to-day values, you know, living your purpose every single day and making sure it's aligned with who you are as a person, right? Um, and then the 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 detail, right? So um that level of detail that's necessary for um for for improvement. Now, you know, I'm I'm cognizant obviously that maybe a lot of soccer enthusiasts are soccer coaches, players, um, but also a lot of other um, you know, professionals that might listen to the podcast, right? Um, what advice would you give to them? Um, you know, they have a lofty goal, right? Um, you mentioned obviously values, obviously understanding their values and how that builds into their day-to-day. What um other things do you feel that they need to know from a personal standpoint, right? Um, you know, that will help them along their path to achieving said goal. Um yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is is knowing where you want to go. If you don't know where you want to go, you, there's no way of setting out your your directions to get there. You know, you set you if you don't know what your goal is, what's your process going to be? You can't have a process without a goal. Um, so set out where you want to go, and that could change, right? Like, for example, pre previous to the League Two thing happening. I actually thought my destination was going to be into scaling the 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 coach education pathway. As you know, we talked about it before. Uh, you do deliver a lot of coach education. You're a soccer. So have I done some bits with the FA. And I thought, okay, that's that's where I want to get to the top of. Well, I changed that and um and uh, set that as the goal and and then and then being, I talked about my value of work more, but it's purposeful work. It's not run around like a headless chicken. It's understand based on the goal, what do you need to do and where do you apply the hours? And then how can you sustain that over time? If you are, football will take everything it has from you, personally, mentally, because it will just take and take and take. And it, ain't gonna, it very rarely gives back because it's a competitive industry. So you have to be not just able to work hard for a couple of weeks. You have to be able to work hard for a sustained period of years. And that requires balance in your life. I've got two little girls. Um, it's important that I'm able to spend time with them. And the, when I was working in my role in Utah, people would I put my phone on do not disturb. People know there's times and days where you will not be able to get in touch with me because I'm spending time with my family, which is important to me. I used to, when I was a younger professional, I used to work till um, I got work on like PowerPoint, slide deck, stuff for coach education late into the night up to like a, like 10, 11. And then I wouldn't be able to sleep because my mind would still be running. Well, I, I know now I, I switch off from work at a certain point. There is a decompression time because if I don't get eight hours of sleep and I've got training in the morning, <laughs> I'm not the most pleasant person to be around. But joy is part of the, is a non-negotiable of our environment. And if I'm the leader of our environment, I have to be joyful. Well, I need sleep to be able to be that person. So it's about, it's about being, working hard, having a goal, working towards it, but being really purposeful in that and understanding the little things that make the big differences. That's fantastic. And, you know, a lot of people will be in industries and soccer, I think is one of, you know, coaching just sports coaching right in general especially at the professional level is one of those things where um it's very difficult to take yourself away um in your mind right even though if you're not in the environment um 
obviously, you know, it's just that competitive edge that you're looking to to gain that 1% extra. So whenever you're not thinking about the game, perhaps your competitors are, right? Um, you know, you spoke a lot about sleep and the ability to switch off from the game um, when you're when you're not around the game, right? When you want need to spend time with your family, et cetera, et cetera. Um, any techniques or tools that you use that to kind of get you in that frame of mind or are you just able to switch off? Um, I know that I you know, struggle with that side of things um, when it comes to um, switching off from projects or switching off from, you know, coaching um, when, you know, it means so much to you, right? So, um, and the mind just wanders, right? Um, any any tools that you can share with our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I don't know I have tools I can tell you what I do. Um, I mean, one of the, one of the big realizations I have is, and I, and I do feel like, I don't know what, I don't know the science behind this, but just in general, humans don't have like super long concentration spans, right? Correct, yeah. Um, everyone that coaches kids uh, is taught at an early age and they say like kids can take in maybe one to two messages at a time. And if you deliver in five or six, they go over your head. And I don't know the science behind concentration spans, but I know mine's not super long. And I know that again, efficiency is part of working hard so if I've got an hour, I'll be all in for that hour. If it means I need to go take 30, 40 minutes to go do something else to then come back later and do another high quality hour, that's better than three hours of, of average. Um, and so I, I want to work hard, but I'm efficient in it. And in terms of switching off, I just find things that interest me as well. So I live in the United States, obviously. I've started watching loads of basketball. So I have, a, I have an NBA season pass. There's 82 games in a season and there's a game on every night. So, um, you know, it's sometimes if you're in football, you might go, oh, football's my hobby. I watch a lot of football. I watch a lot of football too, but it's kind of like work. You know what it's like? You're watching Absolutely. and you go and no, watch exactly. and stuff like that and you, you're dialed in on it. So another sport where I don't, frankly, I don't really understand anything about it. I'm just watching, watching it, it like, for the joy. for the Yeah, you just like you enjoy it. Yeah, like you used to watch football as a kid. You didn't really know. You just saw the things that stood out, the cool stuff. Um, and so that's one of them. Obviously, family is an easy one. Like, you're never more at peace than when you're playing with your children. Um, and uh, But I think the biggest thing was the realization that it's not like, I used to think you had to outwork everyone in terms of like the hours you put in. I'd like, I'd brag about in one of my previous roles directing a club, I'd almost brag about, ah, oh, you know, I work 60, 70 hours a week. And now I look back and I'm just like, you're a moron because you could have done the same amount of work at a higher level and only worked 30 and then had time to do other stuff in your life. Um, yeah. But I, I do, and I there's a couple of young people I work with now and I try and get that message in, extremely hard workers. But I do think you have to go through that phase where you where you know what it's like to put in 60, 70 hours because sometimes it's unavoidable to then be able to go, okay, I know what it's like to work that much, but now how can we be smart and efficient about the time that point? So I'm not just working hard, I'm working effective. Absolutely. A very logical way of thinking about it. I want to take it a little bit deeper because you mentioned something um, with regards to identity, right? Or at least that that um, pulled me in that direction. So one big aspect that I find with coaches, um, sports coaches and 
with athletes, right, with players who make it to this level is that their identity is anchored to um, what they do, right? So their position as an athlete, right, um, and their performances, right? So their identity is linked to how well they perform, right? And at the end of the day, um, and perhaps we'll get into this in a little bit, a little bit deeper just with regards to the you know the culture side of things because at the end of the day yes professional athletes do need to be held accountable because they're um, getting paid to play a sport um what are some ways that you hold on to your own identity your self-identity of scott mckenzie the person you know and the multifaceted person that you are right of hey you're a father you're someone who loves to learn you're a basketball enthusiast, right? Rather than just sticking and sticking to Scott McKenzie, the football coach, right? Like, do you do that or do you find it difficult? Like, what what is that process for you? Because I think it's a really difficult one to get when, especially when you become so good at something or you become, in, you know, you, you're in such an esteemed position, you can really link your performance as a coach, right? You know? to your identity as a person any thoughts there and you can go wherever yeah. you wherever you want with that waffle <laughs> i think that's that's one way i'm like i grew up and i regardless of of how how well the the career quote unquote turned out i grew up and i ident- identified myself as a football player um and as a, as i've obviously aged and built a career i now identify myself as obviously a football coach um or a coach um i i don't know if that was taken away i i think that is an anchor of my personality i i don't think i'm the same person if that's taken away i think i'm a different person and i think what i've been able to do i think i would struggle if that was taken away i think i would struggle to be able to see myself the same way because to your point um had some successes there are there are wins day to day doing this like uh the losses too but it but you can um but it's there i have added obviously i'm a husband i'm a father um i've decided to root for the lakers because <laughs> the same reason a lot of americans rooted for the united in the 90s you know um or into miami now <laughs> Or in Miami now, yeah, exactly. Um, so I've added bits, but that's that's one that I would probably struggle if it was ever taken away. And, and to your point, I look at footballers, and if like I transferred my identity from footballer into coach, but I think that's a big bit for athletes. Is one day your career will end. It could end at uh, could end at eighteen. It could end at thirty six. But at some point, your body's going to say you're no longer an athlete and you're not able to play. And that identity has got to be able to transfer into something else. And for me, obviously, it transferred into something that is sustainable. Maybe not at the levels I'd like it to be sustainable, but I'll always be able to coach at some level. Um, so I feel like that's relatively a relatively stable anchor of my identity. But if hmm. if your athletics is which has it has a uh, expiry point on it is your identity, I would I would urge young people to start building around that finding another anchor or transferring that anchor into something that that can be there way beyond when your body just just gives up 
because it will at some point. Yeah. Here's, here's a quote that I link that to, which may be able to give guidance to our listeners. Anchor your identity to why you do what you do, not what you do what you do. So, mm. or not what you do, right? So the physical nature of obviously, let's say being an athlete, um, you know, and being a soccer player, let's say, um, may be one thing and, you know, what you're doing, but, you know, link that to the reason why, right? So you may love it because of the locker room, right? You may love it because of the game, right? You may love it because of the competition, right? So if you can anchor all of these, I guess, outcomes that you get from the sport, then perhaps that can give you a direction to go in with regards to having a more holistic approach in how you see life, right? Um, let me put you on the spot. What would you do if you wasn't a soccer coach? <laughs> um, I don't know. I generally don't. I um, I think I think I have enough leadership. Organ- I think I'm a very good organizational leader. I think big picture vision stuff is is a is a skill and attribute that I have. Um, and I think I would be able to, to transfer a lot of the skill sets that have allowed me some mild success here into something else. But honestly, I generally don't even know what other jobs exist out in the world. I've never, I've been, all I've ever done is kick a ball or or, or coach. I haven't done anything else. Absolutely. So, no idea. Hopefully, no, no, I don't fair enough. anytime soon. <laughs> not not playing devil's advocate, but I think it's always a good question to ask. Um, okay. Great. So you, you turned um, perfectly as a segue to your role as an organizational leader right so um we also aim to serve you know leaders managers you know coaches and also potentially teachers right people that lead other people right um and you know coming in as a new head coach into a new environment who you know with no you know clout so to speak right no no um reputation behind you no experience you know what was that process like and what does somebody in your shoes you know um you know how do you approach that environment you know from now with hindsight right perhaps some things that you felt that you did do from a um you know from you know now looking in hindsight and perhaps some things in hindsight that you felt that perhaps you might have done sooner or that you that you would have changed from from the way that you approached that new coming into the locker room, you know, first day, first week, first month. What was that? What was that process like? So, I mean, for me, any time you approach a project, you have to understand, like, what is the outcomes? You know, what are we trying to achieve here? And I took, we were... 12 there's on 12 teams in the league by the way <laughs> so we're at bottom uh but still mathematically in enough games where we could go and try and if it all went right qualify for playoffs which is sixth in this league so that's the goal and step by step first can you get off the bottom of the table second can you string some wins together third can we go to playoffs we i don't think we're mathematically out yet, but we are very, very unlikely. It would have to, that would, if we make it, they're probably going to make a documentary about it kind of thing. Um, but uh, so we set the goal and then, and then I came in and I obviously 
as you said, people didn't know who I am. So I told him about who I am, but I, I didn't tell him anything about where I'd coached other than other than I've come over from Park City, which they already knew. Um, I didn't tell him about where I'd coached, what I'd done. I didn't tell him about anything that I'd done in terms of uh, um, having a ball at my feet or coaching. I just said, here's who I am. And it was those four values we mentioned earlier. Work more, commit more, uh, develop more, enjoy more. I said, my role is... I mentioned this before. My role is to make it black and white to you guys, how you are able to get into the team and how you are able to help us towards our goal. That's my job to make that as clear as possible for you. And your job is to understand that and apply it to the best of your abilities. And so and that was that. And then now, and to be fair, because I've, I'm pretty steadfast in my values and I've held them for a minute, the the biggest key was that if I've said this is who I am, that I'll work and I'll commit and I'll have joy in everything I do and I'll, um, and I'll constantly learn. I, uh, that I have to actually live that and, um, and be a role model of that. And so it's a case of little things that again, I like my phrases, little things make big differences. They, they come to training and I've already been there for, they'll arrive at eight 15. I'll arrive at seven 30. Um, sessions are already set up there's a clear objective and then a process underneath for every to every session and um, they feel like there is they can see that work they need to be able to it has to be visual for them they can see that work i have to come in and be bubbly and energetic and, and enthusiastic because i've said joy is important to me um but i didn't focus on any of like no one gives no one gives a shit that that I had a League Two team that won a lot. They just no, and even if I had a Premier League team that won won a lot, why they don't care? Why would they? That's they weren't there. What are we going to do together? What's our goal? What's our collective goal? And how do we get there? And that's how I approach. So, it. what about the ego? Because I'm super interested that like an athlete's mentality is going to be: How can you help me? Right? How do you transmit that? I guess through your vision of work more, commit more, enjoy more, develop more. How do you transmit how that is going to help the individual within the team? Um, I mean, it's dead easy to just go say, I'll make you better. I'll help you. I, I think early on, you've got to, you've got to demonstrate that. Your first, first session has to, has to be, has to be a point where they go, okay. So I, I, I think that I do, I call it core work. There's not a lot. I don't repeat sessions very often. I'm a big believer in you say, what do you want to achieve? And you work backwards for that. Um, but I, I I have a thing we call core work and core work is uh, all about the three R's. So receiving, releasing and retaining because they're foundational football skills. You can play center back, right back, center forward, goalkeeper. You need those, you need these attributes and they need to be crisp and clean the way you pass the ball, the way you receive the ball, and the way you may have to retain possession if you're under pressure. So we do core work, and which is unopposed repetition of, of, of those three things. But I have a lot of detail in there, like um, that I can deliver efficiently and very, very quickly, and in, most importantly, individually, in terms of the difference between open your hips 90 degrees to 45 degrees is the difference between your first touch going inside and going the way allowing you to play forward 
or um, the way you strike the ball so you don't top it where you feel like you've made connection but it bubbles now bounced and the way you have a clean clean follow through and can deliver that message efficiently and um, and again like I said most importantly individually and they can go okay that's a very quick way I can get a little bit better and this guy knows what he's on about um, and so that's the first thing I did with the group was put them through the core work and explained the why behind the, the reason behind why we do it. And so you say like, yeah, I, I do think most athletes, most athletes look at you and go, what are you going to do for me? Can you make me better? Yeah. That was a very quick way of going. Well, here's, here's, here's a very efficient way of showing you that I have a good knowledge that can help you. Fantastic. And talking about culture right where which is which is kind of like i guess where we're going right a culture of getting better a culture of excellence you know how difficult is that you know coming into a team bottom of the table um low on confidence you'd, you'd expect um low on self-esteem um you know what is that process right because you know most people think that confidence comes from from wins, right? Or confidence comes from perceived success or evidence that we can do what you're asking us to do, right? So without that evidence coming in, how do you build confidence within the players that they can do, you know, it's it's all good and well coming into a new environment and say, you know, you know, as you said, you know, we have these goals that we're trying to achieve, but on a day-to-day basis, how do you make them believe? And this could be, obviously for you as a soccer coach, but it could be for a manager, leader, a, a coach of, of any, of any, um, you know, uh, sport. Um, what, what does that process look like? Well, I mean, I'll talk in general terms, but just, I think coming into this group, they don't act like a group that was bottom. And I think that was a lot of credit to Jimmy um, for the work he had done before I came in. But um, in general, I think, yeah, in football, obviously, confidence breeds through winning. It's the clearest and most um, powerful predictor of confidence. But your wins can come in lots of different ways. Um, you can win every day. You can, you can, if you can quite clearly define your outcomes. Say this is what we're trying to achieve today, and then if you can if you can achieve it so whatever your session outcomes are you want to improve your ability to defend crosses and then at the end of the session you can all confidently say yeah we got better in that we we improved our performance throughout the session there's your there's your small win so you can find wins people want to feel competent they want to feel like they're being successful and i think you can find them every day um i think the other thing that breeds another one that breeds competent or confidence is it's feeling part of something that's bigger than you. And so again, constant reminders of here's what we're doing here. And it could be look, like right now I'm working with professional athletes, but before that it was working with college students. So if all you're, if all you're talking about every week is three points at the weekend, I just don't think that's sustainable over a long period of time. I also don't think it's controllable. With league two players, we talked about you going, there's two things going on here. Or three, maybe. You're going back to your school and you're going to be the best version of yourself because you want to have a, the best full season that you you possibly can. That's about you. You're, you're, 
you're in it for the team, absolutely, but you're doing that so that you can go back. That's important to you. You're in a you're in a League Two team that has a direct affiliation with a pro team. You're trying to launch your pro career and you're trying to pick up pro habits. That's a bigger goal, the reason for you to turn up every day beyond just does the team win or not. Because you might not have a direct contribution to that one week, injury, form, et cetera, whatever. But you're working every day because you're a big goal. Um, but having outlining that for players, reminding players of that, having, 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 having a group around that collectively and individually is aspiring to bigger things, things that are bigger than themselves, I think is another way to drive confidence. Um, and obviously, look, you catch people, catch people being good. Um, I think, I think you have to be very, very honest with feedback and honesty comes if if it's honest, it can be good and bad. But when someone's very, very good, you let them know when they're very, very good. And if someone's not very good, you let them know when they're not being good. But I think if you can you can approach things that way with your feedback as well, then they might not like it when um when you tell them they're not good. But I think they'll appreciate even more when you tell them that they are, because they know that that is a very, very honest evaluation of my of your opinion. Fantastic. Like again, what I've got there from the goals that you're you've set in with regards to the League Two environment that you mentioned. Um, first of all, it's controllable to them, right? So again, as you mentioned, perhaps winning every single game, um, not a controllable, even if you expect it sometimes, um, you know, outside of your um, immediate control. Can you make it specific to them? But also can you make it relevant to them, right? Um, as you mentioned. So, you know, how does it affect them as an individual right we talk a lot about the team um and making the team stronger but at the end of the day it's a group of you know sometimes 20 to 25 sometimes 30 individuals you know who are not always playing right so um being able to transmit that message to to get them to understand okay you're not playing right now but it's in your best interests to to keep doing what we're asking you to do um, that that takes a lot of trust, right? So um, really, you know, really um, important little nuggets there um, that you that you mentioned. Um, interested just about the, you know, you've spoken, you know, about your process coming in as a head coach, um, creating an environment to to you know um, you know achieve the goals that you set out to achieve. Um, talk to us about, I guess, you know, how you hold the players accountable for, for, you know, achieving those, those goals just on a week to week basis, day to day basis. And I guess, you know, how many assistant coaches do you have? Uh, including strength and conditioning for. Great. So I guess more from the team standpoint, right. As a leader, how do you make sure that, the message is always one that is consistent throughout and that they're hearing different voices, you know, singing along the same um, hymn sheet, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably at a point sound like a broken record because it, it is just about knowing what the big picture is and then, and then being able to paint the most vivid picture of what the process looks like. So day-to-day -day standards talk about doing everything with max intent um, I'm pretty repetitive in my language, um, which helps the play people around me. Repeat that language 
but that's not really important. It's the understanding of what they're looking for. So talk about max intent uses a difference between if you take your dynamics, your dynamic movements and stretching, your activations, you talk, just talk about swinging your leg through the, you know, stretch out your hamstring. Certain players do it and it's very controlled and purposeful and others might just shake their leg forward. And that might seem like a really tiny detail in the first two minutes of the session, but it's, it's a huge detail because it, is a signal of how you're going to approach all the other little things. So that pro- the the person who has max intent in their dynamics will have max intent in their technical work. Um, little things in technical work. So if you are popping your hips open, releasing a pass, and you've got a little bit of acceleration afterwards, you're you're locked in. Then you're you're doing you're doing just that little bit extra that matters. Or if you're the guy who who runs through and it's back foot and it's play and then just goes for a little stroll or whatever after, you go, well, that that doesn't exist in the game of football. There's always a second action after the release, and that might just be as simple as repositioning. You know, centre-back plays an entry pass. You're five yards out because the ball's moved forward and you've got to maintain distances. And if you allow If you allow players to just go through the motions for technical work, they'll go through the motions when they play. So it's about understanding, having a really clear picture of what you are and are not willing to accept. And then in terms of leading a staff, it's about them understanding that too. And frankly, that's that's difficult. I don't think standards are very high in the United States, in my experience. I think people in the, what I've seen, and you might want to edit this out, I don't know. But in my, what I've seen from the in my travels in the club world and the college world and in some other art environments, I think compared to other places I've I've been around, people are just happy with shit. And I'm not. And and I've got a pretty clear vision of what I think is okay and what isn't. Um and the hardest bit is educating or or making that making the other staff around and they're very good at it to be fair, understand what is and is not acceptable. So setting your own standards and making sure that those standards are met on a day-to-day basis, right? So it's not just like when you feel like it, you know, it's easy to get up for game day, but, you know, every single practice, not only every single practice, every single phase of practice, right? Whether it's coming in for your prehab work to the uh, dynamic to, you know, the the conversations that you're going to have. Yeah, we're, we're in for an hour and 15 Almost like we very rarely go over an hour and 15. That's an hour and 15 minutes of the day where you have to be switched on and shop. Like I don't, I've, I feel like if you are willing to accept uh, lower standards in that hour and 15, then how the hell are you going to get 90 minutes plus out of someone? Absolutely. No, absolutely. Completely agree with you. Um, Last little question just on this. You spoke about individual development and obviously that ability to develop from a technical, tactical aspect so that the individual um, improves every single day. Um, I'm super, you know, as you know, um, super interested in just holistic development. So developing the people, right? We've spoken, you know, a lot, you know, um, about that in general, but any... Anything specific that you want to add that you that you do from the human perspective to make sure that you know these young men, perhaps young men, perhaps older at times, that you're, 
I guess, setting an example and holding them to high standards with regards to, you know, so you spoke about excellence, for example, right? Any other non-negotiables that you like that you want to transmit to your players that will serve them in everyday life moving forward? Um, I think, look, again, being consistent in the messaging and things we say, talk about little things make big differences. So the way you arrive, shake people's hands, you, you do it with a smile on the face, you're going to have an impact on the person you're around. The way you leave the locker room, people just generally are happier in cleaner spaces than they are in messy spaces. Um, when you travel and you eat in, you tuck your chair and you clean up or you're the, the person who says, that's not my job, it's someone else's job. So there you get those little things, that attention to tiny details. Um, then we talked a little bit earlier about identity well, and careers. And I think the the other part of what we do, whether we're working with kids, whether we're working with college lads or, or pros is um, we got to give them a skill set that's transferable. So if you instill a good set of values and a good set of um, standards, professional standards, and they learn that here, then I think that's transferable. Um, I think they can go take that other place. If you instill an eye for little things, and an understanding that the littlest thing can make the biggest difference. It could just be the difference. Someone someone does something for you and you say thank you. And can start to build a relationship that could be impactful. Um, but that I think I, th- I think being consistent with those those standards with with um with with an eye I creating a culture where there's an eye for detail and understanding that the little things make the differences. Um and we don't do anything like impl- like explicitly or currently I don't do anything explicitly around like the development of the human. But I like to think that the, the environment and culture we create will leave them in a better place as a footballer and as a person. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's, there's, there's two ways, right? Um, and you may have mentioned this to me, this quote, right? Um, good on paper, shit on grass or shit on grass or good on paper right what do you want to be at the end of the day right so like what you're talking about you know you know we used to talk about like these talent development plans what what that has everything freaking you know in 175 pages of documentation on how we want you know uh, the human side to be coached right when you go out into the field and no one no one could tell you what the what the free values of the organization is versus now what they call it in the school, um, you know, in schools is the hidden curriculum, meaning what are, you know, what are the everyday messages? What are the everyday standards that you're talking about with regards to shaking people's hands? Like, so one thing I actually got from you were within your values, um, you know, I call mine um, the ABCs, right? Something real simple, accountability, belonging and commitment, um, you know, but what does that look like? And I remember you going through, um, you know, what does it look like for a player? What does it look for, like for a coach? And then I also added, obviously, in my environment, what does it look like for a parent? So now, you know, what do these habits look like at day to day? And as you just mentioned there, you know, it's it's all good and well talking about, you know, how we're going to improve the, the human when in actual fact, your standards and your actions don't add up to what you say you want, right? So I think um, that's an interesting one, right, of, 
you know, obviously you're saying that perhaps it's not written down and it's not official or, um, you know, very, um, you know, scaled out. But I think you're definitely, you know what I mean? Through those actions, it's very clear that you're developing a certain type of uh, person and human being. So um, fantastic, Scott. So just to end, Scott, um, we do our three, two, one exercise. So just to put you on the spot, um, what are three resources or books that you'd recommend to anyone wanting to develop high performance? Okay. Uh, the High Performance Podcast is one of my favorites. Um, the um, the Start of Why book is is been a foundation. Yeah, been a foundation yeah. piece of of my my um, professional beliefs. And then I'm going to give a, a shout out to um, to my mate David Mayer and the Gold Dust Podcast as well because it's very Gold good. Dust. Okay. Fantastic. I haven't listened to that Goldust one, so I'll take a listen for sure. What are two strategies that any club or company could employ that would have a positive impact on holistic development? Uh, first thing any company or organization needs, in my opinion, is an understanding of why they exist and what they're trying to do. Um, so get your mission statement set and uh, make it really clear and get everyone understanding that and asking the question, does it move, does this action or this decision move us closer to our goal? Um, I, I'm just going to give you one because that's the one I've got. That's the <laughs> one I always give. Right. I think, but I well, think you know what I that means, that. right? We're going to have to have a part three so you can come on and make sure that you give another one. So great stuff. I think I think that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Is, it gets a double point. All right, fair enough. Um, okay, last but not least, what's one big takeaway you want everyone to leave with today? What's your overarching message? And it can't be the why part. I mean, that is my overarching message. <laughs> Know where you want to go, have a process in place, work work from your big picture all the way down, uh, know where you want to go, understand who you are, what are your accept, what are your what are your non-negotiables, what are your values, who you are, and be authentic to you. I think I think that's a big part. We like me and you are both readers, listeners, like ed we'd like to think that we we I know we both read a lot, listen a lot, have good conversations, and we both want to learn. You take the bits that 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 you can, but be authentic to you. Understand your strengths and weaknesses. Understand your identity as a person, and and excel in those and add value where you can. But it'll be authentic to you. Fantastic, Scott. Thanks so much, mate. Yeah, I appreciate it. Great, uh, great to chat with you. <laughs>